our tendency is to intuitively think, I'll find happiness, I'll find joy in making sure I'm at the center and making sure my needs are being met, that I'm being catered to, that I'm the most comfortable. Um, and, and there's, you know, there's some happiness in that, but, but real joy uh, comes when we do that for other people. Like, and, and that's where, you know, the one at a time approach to life, it, it's, it's easy to say, well, I've got a lot going on right now. You know, I'm, I'm pretty tired. I could, I could use somebody doing that for me. But in reality, when you do that for someone else, you'll discover, I mean, the irony is when you do that for someone else, you'll discover what you were looking for all along. Like that's, that's, that's the supernatural um, promise that you referenced from Proverbs. Welcome to What's Next with Eric Wood, where we will prepare you to make your what's next in life your best yet. Our next guest is making his second appearance on the podcast, and that's Kyle Ottoman. Kyle is the head pastor at Southeast Christian Church and is a friend of mine and someone who has impacted my life greatly. So I'm excited to have him back on the podcast and he's welcome back anytime. He recently released his new book, One at a Time, which we will unpack. Like any time Kyle speaks, he will share a ton more wisdom on leadership, impacting, and much more. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to help spread the impact we hope to have. Thanks to everyone that has shared the podcast with friends and sharing on social media. It's because of you that our listener numbers have grown like crazy, and I'm incredibly grateful. Enjoy. Kyle, welcome back on the show, brother. Hey, man. It's great to be back with you. We may not do this every year, but you're a guest that, and I want to be respectful of your time, but you're someone that has been so impactful on my life and through your writing, your sermons, your friendship pouring into me that selfishly, I want to get you on here as much as possible. So we did it about a year ago, episode 61. Go back and listen to that if you haven't already, but I'm excited to get you back on. You just released a new book called One at a Time, The Unexpected Way God Wants to Use You to Change the World. And so many, and we talked about this beforehand, but so many want to impact the world through massive crowds. But that's not necessarily what we see from the life of Jesus, the most influential man to ever walk the face of the earth. And that's not just us as Christian men saying that. Time Magazine said that as well. So when you looked at the life of Jesus, what inspired you to write this book? Yeah, it's interesting. If you read through the Gospels and you just pay attention to the real estate, like how much is committed to different um, genres of literature, so much of it is just narrative stories of Jesus connecting to one person at a time. And um, I guess it's a little surprising because you would expect Jesus coming in, having a limited amount of time to spend most of his time in front of large crowds making, you know, the most amount of people the priority. But what you find, and this is just again and again, is in the middle of a large crowd, he would identify one person. Um, sometimes that person had a question. Sometimes that person um, was alone. And uh, sometimes that person was suffering and need, had a basic need that, that he could meet. Uh, but, but again and again, he would see the one person in the crowd. And, and so I think for us, especially culturally today, we tend to define influence or even talk about influencer, you know, as someone who has a lot of followers, someone who gets a lot of likes on social media, social media, you know, someone who is on stage in some way. Uh, but the Jesus way of impact and influence is really this one at a time 
approach. And what I've discovered is that that's also the most fulfilling way to live this, right? It right. is being able to tell stories, being able to know names, uh, to have these you know, sacred opportunities to connect with someone at just the right time in their lives. Yeah, and, and that's when I found the most fulfillment as well. But society will tell you, you need more social media followers. You need more Instagram followers if you're going to have an impact. You need to be on bigger stages. You need to grow your podcast following. But the most fulfilling times have been for me personally and from those I've spoken to is when you're impacting those one at a time. Southeast Christian recently released an app called One at a Time where people could share their stories of those one at a time moments. And after a recent sermon series on this at Southeast, and you can go back and listen to the podcast, watch it on YouTube, excellent series. But at the end of it, if you were in attendance, thankfully we were that day, you received 20 bucks, 50 bucks or a hundred bucks to then go impact one at a time. From all the stories that were shared with you, and I know you could recollect so many of them, is there one in particular, maybe two, that specifically stand out to you? I'll tell you what struck me about that is how many people I heard from, and I never thought about this before we did it, that would say something like, I've never been able to give away $50 Mm. before. Um, It was the first time that they had had $50 for that purpose, just to give to someone who needed it. And where that impacted me is being reminded it's not just the person who receives it, it's the person who gives it that has such impact on. Like you talk about one at a time, the emphasis is usually on, you know, the one, the person that you're looking out for, caring for, reaching out to. But we can't help but be impacted when we live that way. But there are a lot of awesome uh, stories. Um, you know, some of my favorite for people who would creatively find ways to multiply it. Like they got 20 bucks and they came across, you know, someone who had a need of the one that sticks out to me was uh, a new transmission in a car, which can't get that for 20 bucks. Right. But they, you know, would use social media as a way to say, Hey, my church gave me 20 bucks. I've found out about um, this person who needed a new transmission. If anybody wants to pitch in 20 bucks and then they get all these friends that were a part of that as well. So I loved those. Um, and, and then uh, one of the cool things that happened um, is there was a, a server at a restaurant down the road from our church <laughs> who had a record day, man. So after church, you have all these people with the envelopes of uh, you know money that was given to them uh, to to find someone who could be encouraged and might need a little help. And and so a bunch of people went to lunch afterwards. And so this server just collected. I mean, she she posted it on social media later about, um, you know, how many people after church just came and and um, you know, blessed her with that. And and so I, I loved I loved hearing that. It was encouraging. I think there's close to a thousand stories of people who have um, lived that out in some way. What's really beautiful about those stories is that they show you it's for everyone, right? Mm. Like, no matter how insignificant you feel or, you know, even if you're going through a season where you just don't feel like you're making much of a difference, like, if you start praying a very simple prayer, and I think this is true no matter where you're at spiritually, if you just will pray a prayer and say, uh, God, help me see people the way you see people. Give me your eyes for the one. I think he always answers that prayer. I really do. Um, and and so if you pray that prayer, he'll give you that opportunity in some way to show kindness, love, compassion to one person. And um, 
yeah, and it's it's beautiful to. I love sitting in this seat because I get to hear a lot of those stories. Yeah, that's that's an absolutely incredible story. Um, I love the people multiplying them, and then. Does that server was she already a southeast? No, 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 she wasn't. So does she attend church here now? She said she was going to come check it out. Wow. So yeah, I, and I love that because you know there are a lot of people who um, have been uh, hurt by the church or are just a little skeptical of uh, of anything that happens under the name of religion, and I understand that. Um, but when we show kindness, especially in the name of Jesus, like that builds a bridge to people, and um, and so I. I yeah I love doing that as a as a church. One of the concerns that people said was, you know, hey, we're gonna hand this this money out. How do we know that, you know, how do we know how people are gonna use it? And what if somebody gets it and they don't, you know, they they don't really need the church to give them that money because they can do, you know, they can do that. They they have twenty bucks or fifty bucks. But to me, that's that's part of the beauty of it, right? Like we have an opportunity to use what doesn't belong to us to yes. bless someone else like that's really how we should see everything right uh, you know that none of it belongs to us and we want to bless other people um so yeah it was it was really fun and those those stories are are very inspiring i, I once heard someone talk about when you give a homeless man let's say you give him twenty dollars well how do you know that he's not going to just go buy alcohol or drugs well that's that's not your concern you're showing him the love of christ and it wasn't your money to begin with, so who cares what he spends that money on? You're showing him that love. We used ours on. We gave a generous tip to a uh, waitress at a brewery that we went to a Super Bowl party. But that was an easy way for us to say, hey, yeah. we attend Southeast Christian Church. Yeah. This is our way of trying to make an impact on you in the name of Christ. Yeah. If, if we didn't have that 50 bucks we received in the envelope— that conversation would not have happened. Yeah. And so it allowed us to be an intentional in that moment on a very secular night at a brewery Love where that. me and my wife and a bunch of friends, it allowed us to have a one at a time moment. Yeah. And I was going to ask you how you switched to that mindset of one at a time and get away from, man, what can I post to get all these followers? But is it simply praying and being intentional about, hey, God, show me that one at a time? Well, you know, think in terms of um, reverse engineering how you have been impacted. Like if you look back on your life and you say, okay, what were the moments that made a difference in my life? You might be able to point to a podcast. You might be able to point to, you know, a sermon or um, a book. You know, those things all have some cumulative effect on who we are. But I would say for most of us, the impact, high impact moments in our life probably came because one person spoke to us or said something to us, right time, right place, and, and that had a big influence. So if I reverse engineer my life, I can go back to um, elementary school. And uh, in my neighborhood, we had this uh, elderly widow who lived in the neighborhood. Her name was Mrs. Knapp. And um, Mrs. Knapp always had like a freezer full of uh, popsicles. And she would... Um, invite all the neighborhood kids to come in and have a popsicle but when we ate the popsicle we had to sit on the floor while she read us a bible story so you have this uh, elderly widow in the neighborhood who is filling her freezer with popsicles and sitting and reading bible stories to kids and we would do that throughout the summer and i don't know how many kids learned about the bible or learned you know what it meant to be in a safe place some you know this lady's home who cared for them May, they may not have had that in their home, but but that made an impact on me. I mean, I could tell you some of the stories I learned from Mrs. Knapp because 
and she listen if she would if she would have had social media back then no one would have followed her right, right? i mean she's just a widow in a neighborhood but she was intentional with that i think of um a an eighth grade sunday school teacher who was an accountant and and he kept me after um after sunday school one day and and just said some things about you know hey i see in you someone who's going to have a impact someone who's a leader and he may have said you know he probably said that to every eighth grade kid at some point along the way right but he but he did that and i remember that and it was at a time in my life where i needed to hear that from someone other than like mom or dad mm-hmm. and um and if you asked him today he, he probably would not remember that conversation uh but for me that was a significant moment um you know so so let me flip this on you uh if you reverse engineer kind of a one-at-a-time person for you growing up, uh, does someone come to your mind? It's amazing, because as I was reading the book, and there's a chapter on the power of words, one word at a time, and often on the podcast, we do talk about the power of words, and who gave you that confidence, whether it's an actor or a pastor, someone along the line spoke some confidence into you, and there's been multiple times I could think back to, I can think back to being a backup, skinny, terrible tight end my sophomore year of high school and a buddy's older brother saying, man, your your frame is huge. If you hit the weight room, like mm-hmm. you could be 6'5 yeah. and just jacked and be crushing people. Well, it was amazing that all of a sudden I started approaching the weight room a little differently with this vision that he had given me sitting in their basement while we were playing video games. And it's little moments like that. I remember prior to my senior season in high school, and our coach said, well, we have two starting offensive linemen. Note, I was not a starter the year before, and he mentioned me. Mm-hmm. Well, all of a sudden, my mindset, my mindset shifted from making a spot on the offensive line to, okay, now how do I go be the best? How do I go try and earn a college scholarship? Mm-hmm. So there's been so many times throughout my life that someone has spoken confidence into me, whether it was through this journey and broadcasting and podcasting, and it was little feedback along the way. And it might be one individual that says, wow, when you said this, or when you asked this, prior to this podcast, I'm sitting downstairs um, uh, below your office, and I got a text that said, man, I love how you ask people what role their faith play in their life on your podcast. I'd never listened to your podcast. I've listened to a bunch in a row, and it's been really cool for me as a new Christian man to be able to hear a bunch of other guys, some of them stumble through it just like I would. That's yeah. powerful yeah, to me. Yeah. And so it's those one-at-a-time moments, um, and I've been, just been so lucky to have so many people pour into me in those ways. And uh, one thing on Miss Knapp is, I heard this recently, if your child or if a child between the ages of 4 and 10 starts a daily Bible reading practice, that could be you know, the kid's Bible app, it could be you reading it to them, whatever it may be, 92% chance that that sticks for a lifetime. Yeah. If they started between 4 and 10, we know the lack of success rate and how many people have a daily Bible uh, reading practice now. You probably know a more accurate percentage than I do, but it's not 92%. Right, no. But if you can start it at a young age. So there are so many people that she was able to impact and set up this lifetime of success. How many bad decisions did she help uh, deter so many young people from just through the act of giving out popsicles? Well, and, and there's something that's supernatural <clears throat> about God's Word in that the seed can get planted when you're a kid, and then you don't even remember it being planted until you need it during a point of crisis in your life. Like, I, my guess is you've got a few people that would be listening to this that had some of that poured into them when they were a kid, and they kind of forgot all about that. 
but now they're in a time of life where they need that, and suddenly they remember it, and I'm like, well, where did that come from? And, and it turns out that someone was intentional to do that with them. You know, the, when you kind of reverse engineer this, the tendency is to um, underestimate how we can do that for others. Another, so we can see how people did that for us, but we tend to underestimate how much impact that can have on other people. That's probably a, an area where I've grown a lot in, in more recent years, where I just for a long time underestimated, hey, when you take the time to send a card, when you take the time to say speak a word, um, it has more impact than, than maybe you realize. I don't remember who challenged me with this or where I heard it, but but someone encouraged me to start some sentences with four words. The four words are "I see in you." Have you heard this mm. before? Where I haven't. If you say, which is what you know, when you had you know the upperclassmen say to you, "Man, you've got a frame that's built for," you know, he's saying, "I see something in you." You might not see this in yourself, but I see it in you. And, and so one of the ways I try to um, leverage the one-at-a-time moment with my words and with people is to start some sentences with, hey, I see this in you. I see something in you. Um, because, you know, we don't always see it in ourselves, and there's something very powerful when someone calls out what they see in us. And, you know, whether that's with your kids or with a coworker um, or even with your spouse, you know, when you stop and you say, I see in you, so starting a sentence with those four words, I think, is really powerful. I try to do that with my kids. You know, I'll send them a text um, on occasion that just begins that way. I see in you. I'm not always sure what I'm going to say when I start it, but I know that's how I want to start it because there's something really powerful when you speak that one-on-one into someone's life. You're exactly right. And, and I can think about times that that's been poured into me. I think about um, a previous podcast guest named David Nurse who talked about every morning he tries to start off his day by sending three encouraging messages. And he's got a list of people and he kind of rotates through and adds people to the list over time, but three messages a day. And it's amazing when people talk about David, they'll say, man, he is the most connected person I've ever met. He has more joy, more friends than anyone I've ever been around. Well, it's because he's constantly pouring into others. Yeah. And that's not his intention of doing it so that everyone say, wow, look at all yeah. the the buddies that David Nurse has. Look at all the people he's connected with. Yeah. But that's a result of building up others. You then are refreshed. We've talked about it many times on the podcast. Proverbs eleven twenty five is our family mission statement. We want to refresh others, and by doing that, we that. know in turn we will be refreshed. Yeah. And we want to. And then the second part is a generous person will prosper. But being generous with your words, yeah, and refreshing others with your words. I love that. Well, you and I have a, a mutual buddy uh, who's a pharmacist, and. Uh, so this morning... And it's his birthday today. Oh, it is? Yeah. Okay. I, I'm glad to know. Well, that's funny, because this morning on his birthday, I didn't know it was his birthday, uh, you know, he sent me a text this morning, and uh, it was, you know, it was actually a voice text of, of him just praying for me, praying mm. for my day, praying for my family. N- nothing else attached to it, just a, a voice text of, of him praying for me. And, you know, so on, on his morning, getting ready to head to whatever a pharmacist does in the pharmacy, I don't even know, you know, he... He's taken intentional time to to send me a, a text. Now that I find out it's on his birthday, that's even more impactful. Right. So, you know, being that kind of a person uh, doesn't happen accidentally. You, you know, it's it, it's intentional, and at first, um, it's not very natural, like it's in any, like anything else. It takes 
it takes practice. There's some people that are really good at it because their personality is, you know, more emotionally connected. Um, I'm not that way. Like I, I had to really learn how to do this. And um, it, it was easy for me to, you know, miss those moments. Um, but the more you do it, the more you do it. You, you know, the more you see people in those uh, and see those opportunities, the more you find that you're surrounded by them. Yeah, that's amazing. When you start encouraging others with your words, it's amazing to transition a little bit. And this will be the last topic. Go out and read the book, buy the book. I have it in audio form as well, which is excellent because Kyle, uh, he narrates it himself. So it's it's authentic. I, I always appreciate when the author does it himself, especially if it's someone who speaks for a living like yourself, because it, it always ends up being an excellent listen. But we'll put a link to those in the show notes. But one last topic, and my wife can tell you, I, I love a party. And I love the chapter in the book, One Party at a Time. Explain a little bit about this concept. Yeah, you know, it's interesting um, that it was such a part of Jesus' life. You know, he he took time to, uh, there really isn't a better word for it. I mean, he took time to party with people. And, and a lot of the religious leaders of his day, like this was their primary complaint against him. It's like who he's spending time with and how he's spending that time with them. And, you know, some of the accusations against him were, you know, he's, he's a drunkard. And, but that had more to do with who he was with and where he was at. Like he, he, was, he was not spending his time the way a, a rabbi would traditionally spend their time, you know, in the temple courts teaching. He, he was out. And, and so, you know, there's a lot of examples of this in the Gospels, but, but certainly the one that comes to mind is, you know, where we read of Jesus' first miracle of turning water into wine. And, and um, you know, what I love about that story is just this picture of Jesus bringing joy, you know. Um, and it was, in some ways, it's very much a one-at-a-time story. It's not like it impacted all kinds of people, but, um, but it made a big difference to you know to the bride and groom and to the the, the mother of the bride I'm sure, uh, but but the metaphor of water to wine wine was a metaphor um, for joy. Was, read a lot about this in the Old Testament. So when Jesus turns water into wine, it's a it's a it's a statement of Jesus bringing joy, and and so I love the challenge of that for for us to say okay I I I want to be real like I want to be authentic. I don't want to be somebody who, um, you know, has a false, you know, joy, but I want to be someone who brings the joy that I should be, you know, I should be the most joyful person in the room. Um, and, and, and so one of the ways that I've needed to grow in this and reconcile with this is, uh, you know, sometimes I would put that on myself at the expense of not being genuine. So, you know, there were times I felt sad, but but also knew because of something going on in my life or in the world, but also felt like, well, I need to be the joyful person. And one of the things that I've just discovered is you can be both. Like, you you can be sad and still be joyful. And um, and, and so, you know, kind of learning how to do that is, is that you're living with this hope, this confidence in the midst of challenges and struggles that is attractive to people. And, um, and in some ways those sad moments gives you the best opportunities to to uh, model that kind of joy with other right. people. So, you know, most everyone <laughs> is going to be in an opportunity, even today, um, to be a joy bringer, you know, 
to to someone. You know, maybe it's a server at a restaurant or you know the checkout person at the grocery store or a neighbor um, that's going through something difficult, or you know your kid's buddy that comes over to the house. Um, but but to be intentional as a way to influence people, um, you know, is it's easy to underestimate it, but people need it so much that that when you are that way, it it has impact. It stands out and um, it helps anchor people. Yeah, and for and for those that have a relationship with Christ and know what has done for their life, it's important that you operate with a sense of joy about you and that you have a good time as a Christian. That's what originally attracted me to Christianity when I first met Dave Stone. Mm-hmm. He has so much fun on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> yes, he does. Well, and, and I'll be completely honest, I had some Christian teammates in college where I thought, and they just don't have as much fun as everybody else, and I don't know if I want that. Yeah, I don't know if I want that scowl on my face and that feeling of missing out all the time. Yeah, and so when I got to be around Christians that truly model joy, and I use David as an example, there's been so many in my life that have done this for me that I said, man, that is something I want to be a part of. I mean, I could throw in how they are as husbands and dads and, and just men in general and say, okay, what's the common denominator? They all have a relationship with Christ. Okay, let me give this thing a shot. But it was the joy and the fun. And I thought, oh, okay, you could still have fun and be a Christian. And I think that's so important. And, and within your personality, if you're, per, if you're an introvert, you're not going to be as attracted to a party as maybe I am. And my wife is one of those people. I, we balance each other out perfectly in right. that sense. I feel right. like maybe she'll definitely listen to this, and she she may call me out on that. But I feel like we balance each other out where she pulls the reins on me, I pull her out a little bit. But it's it's the party, it's the joy that you show on a day-to-day basis. And uh, I've said it so many times on the podcast, but when my little girl goes to school, you know, I'll say, what are you going to do today at school? Spread joy. Because as Woods, we want to bring That's others good. to Christ. And a lot of times people don't want to necessarily – be just fed scripture without a relationship or without truly yeah. seeing the joy that you live your life with. So yeah. I appreciate that. Well, and you know, the irony, of course, is that in doing that, you discover deeper joy. It goes back to the one who refreshes others will uh, themselves be refreshed. But, you know, our tendency um, is to intuitively think, I'll find happiness, I'll find joy in making sure I'm at the center and making sure my needs are being met, that I'm being catered to, that I'm the most comfortable. Um, and, and there's, you know, there's some happiness in that, but, but real joy, um, comes when we do that for other people. Like, and, and that's where, you know, the one at a time approach to life, it, it's, it's easy to say, well, I've got a lot going on right now. You know, I'm, I'm pretty tired. I could, I could use somebody doing that for me. But in reality, when you do that for someone else, you'll discover, I mean, the irony is when you do that for someone else, you'll discover what you were looking for mm. all along. Like, that's 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 the supernatural um, promise that you referenced from Proverbs. Yeah, and, and one of the best pieces of advice I got on my transition out of the NFL after the neck injury was from a podcast guest, Chris Burke, one of the first yeah. pro- podcast guests, said, stop worrying about yourself. You keep looking for answers yourself. Start learning how to serve others, and you'll find your next purpose, passion, whatever it may be that's going to fulfill you in this transition. But if you're just constantly saying, okay, what are my gifts? What am I going to do with them? And you're not focused on others, then it's going to be hard for you to truly find that that purpose in your life. We're going to jump around a little bit for okay. the rest of the podcast. Sounds fun. 
So for someone who's published many books, how many books have you published? Um, uh, probably eight or nine. Eight or nine. So yeah. many that you don't even know the well, exact Well, it all depends what you count as a book. I was going to say, that's like <laughs> when I asked Mario Williams, a former teammate of mine with the Bills, how many cars he had. He said, somewhere over 30. And I said, well, how do you know it's over 30 if you don't know how many you have? He said, well, after 30 luxury vehicles, you pay the same amount in insurance. I so that. I know I'm over <laughs> okay. 30. Yeah, okay. I, don't, I don't have that problem <laughs> either. So eight or nine books you've published for – I've, I've let the cat out of the bag a little bit on the podcast before that I'm in the process of writing a book, should be out this fall and fully published for sale. What advice would you have for someone in my shoes now that's got most of the writing done but going towards the finish line? Well, what I love about the book that you've been working on, um, Tackle What's Next, am I getting it right? Yep. What I, what I love about that is it's um, out of the overflow of your life. So there's no shortage of books that have information. If you're just writing something because you have good knowledge and information, you know, let Google take care of that. There, we don't really need a lot of new books with um, information. Like, there's something very powerful, though, about a book that is written um, out of the overflow of what's happened in your life. That you, know, One of my favorite definitions as a, as a pastor, as a preacher, is that it's you know, it's truth through personality. It's God's truth through who he made you to be. And that's, that's probably true as an author as well. Um, I talk about this a little bit in the book, the in-then-through way of God, that we often want God to do something through us that's going to have a lot of impact, but God wants to do something in us. And then what he does in you, he will do through you, but it's got to happen in you first. And we'd like to skip the in you and go straight to the through you. Right. And, um, and it just doesn't work that way. So, you know, what I love about what you've been doing and true of this podcast and true of the book is it's the end and through. Like you're, you're taking the journey that God has had you on, the, the good parts of that and the tough parts of that, and then using that as a way to um, have, have a voice or to speak to people who you know, can relate to that. Um, so I, I, think that, I think that's a really important part of writing, that if it, it, it's out of the overflow. One of the ways I know I'm ready to write is I don't care who reads it. I know that I need to write it, um, you know, that is personal enough for me, that if it's just something I left behind for my kids to know, that's good. I'm okay with that. And, um, and I think that's true. Like, as, as I was looking at, at uh, some of what you've written, you know, if, if the only thing that happens is that your kids read that one day, that's really good. Like, that's a, that is a worthwhile effort. And um, I think that's one of the ways you know. You're not doing it, you know, just to get some sales and, you know, to get your name out there. But this is a journey that you've been on, and you want to help other people along the way. Yeah, and that's it's funny you say that because when I initially wrapped my mind around the imposter getting over the imposter syndrome of who am I to write a book I don't have writing experience I'm not a I didn't get my college degree in that like who am I to write this book I have so many teammates that I played with that have much more impactful stories than me who am I well if if the worst thing is this just becomes like a memoir that the family passes down and like one day it's like hey grandpa wrote this back in the day if you want to know a little bit of something about your grandpa then that's fine leave it at that and and hopefully it makes a much bigger impact than that but that's similar to what this podcast journey has been for me as well yeah are there stories that i could tell on the podcast from 
Super Bowl parties and locker room stories and all that that surely could get bigger ratings for us and probably boost further ratings and sponsorships and everything else, yes. Do I want my kids necessarily identifying their dad in that way one day? No. Right. And so why take that short-term little nudge that – you know, bumping ratings to, to kind of sacrifice a reputation. It, one of the things I do uh, oftentimes with the sermon or if I'm writing a chapter of a book <clears throat> is, and it kind of ties into the one at a time idea, but I will uh, write a name of someone at the top of the document. Like if I'm starting a chapter or starting an article or, or starting a sermon, uh, I'll write a name or sometimes two or three names of people. It's amazing how I have something to say when I am saying it to someone, as opposed to, you know, just like this open document of, you know, what do I hope will work? So when I have someone in mind, um, it's amazing how it will shape the, the message. It'll allow, allow you to say some things more intentionally because you're saying it to that one person. And when you say it to that one person, you know, inevitably there's a lot of other people who, who need to hear some of those same things. That is extremely powerful and something I, I will take with me and hopefully many out there will take as well because that is that's a powerful tool that that I and I feel like some of the podcasts and the guests that I've had on to specifically speak to a certain person like I knew when John Gordon came on yes I wanted to talk to John Gordon about his power of positivity and all that but John is a Jewish man that was converted to Christianity and I had a Jewish man friend that I've had sitting yeah. at my man challenge yeah, yeah. table for so long and I wanted him to hear that like it's okay for you to make this transition if you want to yeah. and so it's amazing how powerful that could be for so many others when you are talking specifically to one you obviously have um, ingrained leadership qualities but you also you know have learned under excellent leaders do you have a fa- favorite leadership quote maybe um uh, you know what? I should have. <laughs> yeah, the, you know, I don't have one that comes to mind uh, right away. But you know, I, I think what I have learned the most from you know the two leaders, Bob Russell, Dave Stone, that I've been able to serve under is um, is really striving to have the right balance of humility and confidence. You know, th- those two things, you know, are not um, they're not against one another. I mean, they they, they go hand in hand. Um, but, but that's a tough, that's a tough balance because I, I, I can sometimes be, um, too confident or sometimes I can have the false humility, you, you know? And so having that right balance of humility and confidence is, um, I think, uh, Jesus modeled it beautifully. And, um, I'm really thankful for the example those guys have set for me in, in that. Two of the best speakers I've ever heard, both former podcast guests are, in, in two separate realms would be Bob Russell and a guy named Ed Milet. And on the podcast, they both said the exact same thing, mm-hmm. that as a leader, humility and confidence in the combination of the two is the most powerful thing. Humble enough to understand that you don't have it all solved, but confident enough to say, look, I, I, I am the one to get this done, and I am confident in my abilities that Christ has given me as, as a man here on earth. You know, what's, what's really hard about that is – you know, we think of humility as, um, you know, just thinking less of ourselves, and that's certainly part of it. But the Bible connects God's blessing not to humility but to humbling ourselves, mm. which is different. Um, the Bible says that if you humble yourself, you will, you, you will be lifted up in due time, that, 
you know, God blesses those who humble themselves. And humbling yourself is different than being humble, right? Like humbling yourself requires you to acknowledge weakness. It, it, it requires you to ask for help from somebody. It requires you to confess when you've messed up and, and you, you made a decision that wasn't the right decision or you weren't as intentional as you should have been. Like humbling yourself is different than being humble. And, and so as a leader, one of the tests for me in this is not to say, hey, do I feel like I'm being humble? Yeah, I do. <laughs> because you lose. Uh, you're no, you, you, know, you no longer get to qualify for that. But if I'm humbling myself, that means that I am uh, being intentional to listen, lead by listening. Um, it means I'm being intentional to acknowledge when I got something wrong. It, it's, it's a different approach to this. And so I'm thankful for the way those guys have modeled that. But, but it's easy to say, uh, humility and confidence, my, my question pushing in on somebody who's leading is, how do you humble yourself? That's, that's probably a, a better gauge of how well you're living that out. You know, one of the ways that I've had to humble myself is to understand, especially as I moved on from football, that there's so many people out there that can guide me in my next steps, that people have done this before, they can save me a lot of time, heartache, steps in the wrong direction if I'm willing to listen to them. So I've had mentors. I pay a coach that I work with weekly, an executive coach who's been a podcast guest before, James McPartland, who's had a massive influence on my life. For you personally, are there mentors or coaches that you have on your life that speak into you on a consistent basis? Yeah, I don't know if I've shared this with you or not, but uh, <laughs> so toward the end of uh, 2021, um, you know, I – I was feeling pretty overwhelmed. I didn't sense that emotionally, but physically it was kind of taking its toll on me. I was just tired a lot more and not as engaged in some ways I, I should have been. Um, and I had a buddy of mine who, um, an executive guy, who's like, hey, you should go see this this life coach. I, I don't know if I've told you this, no. Eric. But he said, you should go see this life coach. And I'm like, all right. And I'd heard, I've heard you talk about you know seeing a, a life coach. And so I'm like, that sounds good. I even see a life coach. And so I, I make an appointment. I make an appointment with this guy um, to do a Zoom session, and I'm halfway into the first session, and I realize something. He's not a life coach. He's a counselor, <laughs> right? Like, but it's easier for people like me to say I've got a life coach than to say I've got a therapist, right? Right. So, uh, but I realized halfway through, you know. But one of the 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 um, one of the ways that that he has helped me is to understand my need to have a few mentors that are not all type A driven, um, uh, you know, w people who are wired that way. And, you know, so he's really pressed in on me, like, hey, who do you have in your life that is not that way, you know, that, that has a different kind of balance, that expresses emotion a little bit differently than, you know, somebody who's more, you know, type A accomplisher. And, um, and, and it, it helped me be a little bit more intentional to have some relationships. So, like, let me give you an example of this. I don't think he'll mind me sharing it. You had uh, Ashley Wooldridge on mm -hmm. not long ago. Uh, so he's a, a pastor of a church that's very similar to this church uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. Pretty much just the same size, same amount of campuses, similar staff, all of that. And, um, and so one of the things that I do with him is on uh, Tuesdays— um, We'll call each other for 15 minutes, and and we'll just say, hey, here's two or three things, hard things that I've got right now. 
and there's some rules to it. Like we don't don't try to fix it for each other. Don't try to help each other with it. I'm just gonna say, here's two or three hard things I've got. He'll tell me two or three hard things he's got. Uh, we'll pray for each other. See you later. And wow. uh, you know, to me, it, it's the the value of Galatians chapter six verse two. You know, bear one another's burdens. I used to think that bearing burdens was, I'll I'll tell you something I'm going through if you can fix it for me. Um, but the real value is, I'll tell you something I'm going through so you can help me carry it. And that may mean that you don't know how to fix it. You'll just say to me, Matt, it's really hard. And um, I'm, I'm sorry you're having to deal with that. Or that makes, me, that makes me sad to hear that you're having to, to carry that. And if you would have told me before, I would have said, I really don't have time for that. You, you know what I mean? I don't know, I don't know that's going to accomplish anything. I don't mind meeting with somebody who can fix the problem, but I don't want to just share my problems. Right. But to sit and to have that conversation with somebody, and I'm not whining, he's not complaining. We're just saying, hey, here's two or three hard things. And um, and, and there's there's a lot of power in, in that. So, yeah, I'm thankful for the mentors I have that kind of model a, you know, get after it mentality. I'm, I'm increasingly thankful for some people in my life who are teaching me um, that it's okay to have some challenges that I just need some help with. Yeah, and as a leader, it can often be lonely at the top. And, and as a leader, especially of an organization of this size, sometimes it'd be hard for you to be vulnerable about things you have going on. And I don't, I don't want to characterize them this way, but people working under you, they would say, well, Kyle, you have all of this. We don't necessarily want to hear it. I remember when my career ended, you know, it was really tough for Leslie to have a place where she could complain a little bit or just tell things that were going on with her because everyone say like, okay, well, now your husband's at home all the time. You have financial security. Like, what what, what do you have to complain about, Leslie? And and to have, you know, a, a, a girl in her life that extremely valuable where you can just vent and, and have yeah. that space. So I, I love that you and Ashley do that just because you have such common ground and it gives you space there. And, and I have a, an accountability partner here in town um, who's a close friend of mine, and, I've, and, and you're giving me a lot of peace by, by saying that because when we get together for our you know check 90-day check-ins on our goals and whatnot, and we're both driven type A people, but when we get together, a lot of times it turns into like, man, the kid's got this going on, or you know, it might be something with family or career, whatever it may be. And it just turns into a listening session because it's hard to talk about those things yep. all the time. So you give me a lot of peace by saying that you and Ashley do that on a regular rhythm. And maybe me and my buddy should do that on a more regular basis and just listen. Yeah. And as opposed to saying, hey, you know, if you truly want to drop a few pounds, you could do this. I, and, and I'm feeling convicted right now because the last time he was like, you know, it's just tough to get into workouts on top of work and these conference calls. And I'm like, well, you know, they make these things that go on your Peloton so you can work out at the same time you're on those conference calls, especially if you can turn your Zoom off and, and you, or your camera off on your Zoom, you'll be perfect. And yeah. so now I'm pretty convicted having given I, it him goes that both advice. Ways. You know, I, I love the verse. There's a verse in Hebrews that says, spur one another on. And the word spur is kind of where we get the word of, uh, you know, kicking a, a, a horse in the flanks, you know. So there's there's both. It's Galatians says, bear one another's burdens. Hebrews says, spur one another on. I think a good brother is going to do both for you. Sometimes mm. they're just going to carry it, 
and help you carry it. And other times they're going to give you a kick when you need it. Yeah, and I wouldn't have understood the reference on the horse until very recently when I rode a horse for the Come first on. time. And now we're watching Yellowstone, and I'm <laughs> I'm telling Leslie, I'm like, see how he's leaning in. I, right I noticed there? the, the uh, flannel when you came in. It's a little yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I spent I spent three days in Colorado at a ranch, and now it's flannels over bomber jackets. It's it's been a it's been a good transition. A couple more things, and then we'll get into a couple recurring questions, and we'll get you out of here. With Easter approaching, we all know. Easter is the Super Bowl for, for Christians out there, and it's the reason for the hope that we have. But there are so many listening to this podcast right now that don't even necessarily know where to start. I would recommend some type of daily Bible reading, exposure to the gospel. Where would you have someone start? Uh, you know, I would probably have them start in the gospel of Mark. Uh, Mark is, a, is one of the shorter uh, accounts of the actual ministry and life of Jesus. Um, so if you read through Mark, Matthew takes more time in that final week of Jesus. So if, if you're taking what's traditionally been called Holy Week, mm-hmm. um, Matthew's a good, uh, a good place to, to go through that. Um, and, and, and honestly, if you will just take a couple of, of minutes, uh, you know, each, each day, start your morning with, you know, reading even, even just a chapter, um, it, it doesn't take that long. You know, I, I think a lot of us will use the excuse, I just don't have time to do that. It really doesn't take that long. If you'll just start in your morning, and if, if you just do it leading up to Easter, just for a week, I think it it uh, prepares your heart and mind uh, for that a little bit differently. It's easy, you know, to turn it into more of a holiday or, or just traditions. Um, and, and I think it's really important that we slow it slow down enough to um, uh, to to create space and margin. Um, to think about it on a deeper level. Yeah, and I'll give a really practical way. You say just a few minutes in the morning. Recently, and I don't know if this is a healthy practice or not, but as I'm making my coffee and doing my normal morning routine, making my morning cocktail that we've talked about on the podcast many times that everyone's grossed out by, but I I do like it, uh, I guess. But as I'm doing that, that's all on autopilot in my brain. So now it's put in the AirPods and pick up and I committed to reading through the gospel twice this year. Uh, I'm not going back through the Old Testament again this year. Just going New Testament twice. But just pop in the AirPods and and hit the Bible app. You know, it's mostly stories I've read. I may go back to my Bible, underline some things in in my actual Bible, but it's a way that I can habit stack. And habit stacking was one of the most popular topics from the last time you came on the podcast. Just quickly, is there anything since then from a habit stacking perspective that you'd added in your life? Yeah, that comes from James Clear, and um, and it was so helpful to me because I have a hard time introducing new disciplines or practices. So he, you know, he just talks about, hey, just take something that you're already doing and stack a habit on it. Uh, so, you know, I can't remember if I talked about this the last time or not, but uh, for me, I became, I've become more intentional on my drive home from work um, to use that as a time to intentionally pray for um, what I'm going to have the rest of the evening. I, I found that when I come home from work at five or six, I'm pretty worn out, and uh, it's easy for me just to kind of zone out on the way home, listen to some music, listen to a podcast or something, um, and then I go home and just you know feel like laying on the couch and and um, unwinding and uh, and so the drive home is the habit. It's already a habit. Got to do it. So to habit stack on there a time of prayer for my family a lot of times that's when i'll leave some prayers for my kids for my wife um and then it allows me to go into the evening a lot a lot more intentionally i like that 
I like that a lot. That that's something I'll, I'll I'll steal from you there. And and I'm always I gotta be careful because I get so many people that pour in incredible advice to me. I can yeah. I can get really overwhelmed. My, exhausted, my yeah. morning routine can turn into a morning cocktail, a meditation, a Bible reading, a workout, a sauna, a cold yeah. tub. Uh, but it's it's refining that in 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 in, in any time adding prayer and in, in time to just be quiet with God is is time well spent, especially in my day. All right, last one for me, and then we'll get to a few recurring questions. We had Ashley Woolridge on the podcast talking about the Sabbath. Southeast going through a series on the Sabbath right now. For you personally, and, we, and, and Ashley gave a lot of the, the background on the importance of a Sabbath, so if, if you haven't heard that, refer back to that episode. But for someone who works on the weekends like you do, what's your weekly Sabbath look like? Well, for me these days, my weekly Sabbath is on Friday. Um, but I, I would say that for most of us, and me included here, that the the value of the Sabbath has more to do with, um, you know, the mindset than it does the day of the week. Mm. You, you know, m- the, the mistake we usually make is that we define resting as doing nothing, and that's usually not resting. In fact, some of the things we qualify as resting it actually exhausts us emotionally. Like, if, if you... Uh, are laying down while reading the news that can be pretty overwhelming of what's happening in the world, that's not restful for your soul. And you, you'll right. be more exhausted when you're done reading the news than when you start. You may have been a, you may have been laying down, but you're not rested. Or if you scroll through social media, you know, if you're just going through TikTok or Instagram, like that, that is not restful to your soul. You, it, it allows you to zone out, might let you be distracted from whatever else was um, wearing you down, but it's not restful for your soul. So, you know, one of the things that I would challenge people with is to ask questions like, you know, does this restore me physically? Does it um, renew me emotionally? Does it reconnect me relationally? And does it revive me spiritually? Like, if you look at those gauges and then say, okay, does what I'm doing qualify as that kind of rest? And, And one of the things I've discovered is that for most of us, it's often the opposite of what we normally do. So if I'm in, for me, if I'm in my office sitting at the desk in front of a computer all day, I, I feel like going home and not doing anything. But one of the most restful things I can do is get outside and do something active mm-hmm. because it's the opposite of what wore me out. And that's better for me emotionally, spiritually, uh, physically than just going home and, and doing nothing. On the, on the other side of that, if you're in a job where you are just pushing it physically and you're on your feet all day, you know, always around people, then maybe you do the opposite of that. And you, you know, you read a chapter out of a book while you sit in a quiet room. It won't feel natural because it's not what you've been doing all day. But it's it's probably one of the more replenishing things you could do because it's the opposite of what got you into that uh, place. That checklist is going to be so valuable for people because me personally, and I talked to Ashley about this, I was so convicted when I heard his sermon series on a, a weekly Sabbath, because I wore it like a badge of honor for so long that I didn't take a day off. And yeah. I am honestly ashamed that throughout my NFL career, like some of the advice that I would give to rookies is don't take Tuesdays off. Like Tuesday's your day off, but that's not your day off. Like you can watch me. Right. I'll, be, I'll be in yeah. from 8 a.m. to 4 on those days. And my wife can vouch for it still to this day. And I wore it like a badge of honor. Even on the yeah. day off, I'm going to at least put in a, what normal people, what most people call a normal work day. 
And so I wore like a badge of honor, and I was so convicted by it. And so now um, we've we've tried to implement this this weekly Sabbath. But for me, that's not just sitting around because a lot of what I do on a day to day basis is researching for podcasts, writing with this book. It's crafting, you know, ideas around what's coming forward for this what's next brand. Well, for me, yesterday was my Sabbath, and it was pickleball in the morning. It was a round of golf, and I took Leslie to Jeff Ruby's last night. Like, that was my Sabbath. That refreshed me, and it got me excited to get back to work today, to hit the man challenge in the morning, uh, our men's group at church, get ready to record this podcast, reach out to new guests, and get all that going. Yeah, What, what I love about your examples, and, and maybe this is a good litmus test for people on it, is if you're doing something that, and, and this, you know, from in Jewish culture, this would really define um, Sabbath, is you need to do something that doesn't produce anything. In, mm. in other words, you're active, but like when you're talking about you know, playing around a golf, when you're done with it, you don't really have anything to show for it, right? You might have a score, but you haven't produced anything. But you've been, you know, you've connected with people, you've been replenished, you've been renewed. Um, and so if you're doing something that produces, it's probably not restful. Like, so for me, I can make the argument that, hey, writing on my Sabbath day feels like rest. It doesn't feel exhausting to me, but I'm producing something. And I need to take a break from producing something because the whole point of the Sabbath is to recognize um, your dependence on God to do what you, what you can't do. Like, you, you can't do it. You need his help. And so if you're always trying to produce something, it's kind of missing the point. Yeah, that's great stuff. All right. You, re- you answered all the normal recurring questions last time, so we got a few new ones. Uh, what's a dream vacation that you have not taken? Wow. Uh, a dream vacation. I've never been to Hawaii. Uh, I've, well, I've never been to like the touristy parts of Hawaii. I went and visited my daughter once for a couple of days when she was on, uh, on a mission there. But I've never actually got to enjoy the beaches of Hawaii. So I, I guess I would say Hawaii. Yeah. So for all you Southeast um, regular yeah. tenders that are looking to gift Kyle there something for Christmas yeah. this year. Now you know. <laughs> I'm glad I went big. Yep, yep. <laughs> What's your favorite date night for your wife? I'm, you I'm mentioned. Glad, I'm glad I didn't say Lexington, Kentucky. Right. That would have been, yeah, right. it's good. And uh, so last time you were on, you said Gustavo's was your favorite yeah, restaurant. Right. Share that with uh, Scott Sirefield, head coach of the Louisville Cardinals. But what's your favorite date night with your wife, and you can't say Gustavo's? Uh, you know, these days, I would say it's going outside for a walk. That makes me feel kind of old, but but it really is. Like, I, I love just to uh, go outside on a nice evening and uh, and go for a walk with her. Um, that's, that's probably my favorite way to spend time together. All right, last one for me. This is What's Next with Eric Wood. What's next for Kyle Eidemann? You just released this book one at a time. You got Big Easter coming up, summer. What's what's coming down the line? Um, you know, I have a trip planned to the Holy Land in Israel uh, in May, but uh, it's a hiking trip through the Holy Land. So uh, you'd be proud of me, man. I'm trying to get in shape, and because uh, it's a lot of a lot of hiking, a lot of walking. Uh, so you know, you're going to gain a new perspective on the biblical stories when they said Jesus traveled from yeah. X to X. Like, yeah. oh, okay, now I know yeah, how I, truly far that is. I'll be in Hoka's, not uh, sandals, but yes. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that. It'd be good. Awesome. Enjoy that. That's a that's a bucket list trip for me to go over to Israel. So um, for any what's next 
listeners that want to gift that to me, you go ahead. <laughs> but Kyle, I can't thank you enough for your time on this podcast. As always, um, as busy as you are, as much as you have going on, and I, I know we just talked about the the busyness and getting out of that and not wearing that like a badge of honor. But you truly have so much going on in impacting people, so many one at a time. I can't thank you enough for the time and your words that you shared on this podcast. Impacted me a tremendous amount. Just sitting here recording this. Can't wait to go back through it again. And and for all the listeners out there, follow Kyle Eidemann. He will make an impact on your life. Read his books. Watch his sermons. It, it, will, it will produce fruit in your life. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it, man. Yep. Thank you. If you follow me on social media, you have heard me rave about my sauna from Sauna Space, and I only promote products that I personally use. I'm excited to let you know that I now have an offer for the listeners. Sauna Space allows you to rejuvenate at a cellular level with a sauna that harnesses the power of the sun. Sauna Space combines cutting-edge infrared technology with nature's ancient wisdom to help you find relief. What's that mean? You will get the many health benefits of infrared light, detox your body through the pouring of sweat out of your body, and you will be charged by the grounding mat that your feet will be sitting on. If you want that explained further, go to episode 94 of this podcast, and the owner, Brian Richards, will explain them for himself. Everyone that has purchased one of these has absolutely loved it. It's a vital part of my daily routine to optimize my body, and the benefits include improving your skin complexion, speeding up your metabolism, burning calories and fat, muscle relaxation, faster injury recovery, and detoxing your cells. If you want to tap into these benefits, use the link in the show notes and use code what's next five for 5% off your order and let sauna space help you take your health and wellness to the next level.